I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. to another episode of That's a Rap Podcast. I am your co-host, Jay Rosales. Welcome, welcome, welcome to round two. It's finally about to start. It's getting started on Saturday, depending on how this uh, Spurs-Nuggets game turns out tonight. It might be a 7.30 or an 8 o'clock start. We are recording this on a Thursday evening. Um, I am joined by my co-host, Dre. How's it going, man? Everything's good. Uh, We finally have a nice meat-sized pod after all of our bite-sized ones um but uh we've got a lot to get through so before i keep rambling 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 i'll just regress because i feel like i'll make myself perfectly redundant so uh we have jason with us the the doctor of everything pieces together the pods how's it going buddy what's up man i feel like you're already throwing to a lot of quotes from uh or do I not? I don't want to spoil it. There, yeah, that's the yeah, one. Only some, see, that's hard because I've only watched one episode and it was funny as hell. But okay, I don't I don't want to spoil it. But uh, yes, finally, we get to talk about uh, we get to have a full pod for once. It felt like forever, but uh, I was hoping that we swept the Orlando Magic so we can talk for the next round. But we have a special guest for today to talk about round number two. Jay, can you introduce our guest? Yes, yes. Uh, hailing all the way from Philadelphia alumni of st joseph's i'm just kidding uh so contributor at liberty ballers we've got brian murphy thanks for joining us buddy yes thank you sir thanks for having me guys all the way from the place where it's always sunny <laughs> exactly okay so before do you watch the show maybe you'll get them <laughs> i do watch the show i watch oh, it nice. uh, a lot so i'll get them nice yes perfect oh dre you're not alone here man Ah, thank goodness. Well, I mean, I've marathoned 13 seasons, however many hours of it. I like to think my work meant something, but that's what I mean. It all boils down to this. But Brian, man, before we before we move on, okay, I got to ask you something, man. Why do you have an Alexa Shved nameplate? Can you please give us the backstory? Of that? I would, yeah, absolutely. So um, it's pretty simple. Um, Alexi Shved didn't seem to want it for free. Um, and I happened to be the only person who wanted to pay $50 for it on the internet. So oh. I therefore kind of just won it through that. I was looking for, um, little process morsels to put in my new apartment when I moved in with my girlfriend. Okay. And I thought that was one that would kind of look normal. That wasn't like, you know, a shrine to Brandon Davies or something like that. Okay. So I just kind of tucked that in there, but yeah, I paid for it cause Alexi didn't want it for free <laughs> so it was like an ebay thing it was on mba.com no friggin' way <laughs> yeah i was wow. doing some deep digging that's awesome listen like if if keon clark had like a nameplate for 100 bucks i'd probably buy it so yeah no good on you bro <laughs> all right yeah but, yeah, yeah. It's a reminder of the good times <laughs> yeah right uh, well speaking of 
speaking of the good times, it looks like both, uh, you know, our Raptors and, and your Sixers had a very, um, I, I guess you could say eventful first round. The the Raptors, I guess we'll start off with the Raptors since this is a Raptors pod, but we will definitely talk about uh, and, and get your input, Brian, on, on the Sixers and, and Nets series. But let's start with the um, Raptors and Magic. Let's just kind of put this up in a little bow before we can move on to the second round. Guys, this was a five-game series that felt like it was a 5-0 series. <laughs> um, but, you know, final thoughts, I guess, on 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 the Raptors, um, I guess, demolishing of the Magic. Um, Drea, I throw that over to you first. Like, what were your final thoughts on that series? Well, we had to have a bit of a tussle at first to see what we were capable of and how to fine-tune this team to becoming a playoff team. And I honestly feel like this is the first time I've ever felt entirely comfortable with the Raptors in the playoffs, where it's like, okay, yes, we've got this team. I feel confident that they can make it all the way. Uh, Of course, things can change because it's the playoffs and it's just a sport. You know, usually in the past, the Raptors would either have like, you know, kind of average players or flat out jabronis kind of like being there on the team. But now I feel like even our weakest players were like our second option Mm -hmm. in past years. I think we've got a we're in a very good spot and I'm excited to see what we can do with this. But um, we'll get into the the. 76er side of things because I think they have a similar story. Absolutely. But uh, for now, with the Magic, I feel like that first game was a tester, almost identical to what the 76ers were doing with Brooklyn, and uh, that's why the series is going to be exciting because a lot of there's a lot of mirroring, a lot of work in progress, getting to this spot, having superstars that we haven't had in a very long time for the Raptors ever, I would argue, and a similar series to bring us to this one, mm-hmm. round two. So. Uh, Jason, I mean, how do you how do you feel about this? Uh, yeah, saying goodbye to Orlando. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I f- I feel like we have to keep with traditions, right? I mean, if we win Game One, you know something is wrong. So the That's fact true. that we lost Game One and then swept them and it gave us a douchebag sweep, like we say, um, I, I it was it was a little bit longer than I thought, but hey. It, this sense of comfort is something different for for Raptors fans, and. Um, it, knowing that we kind of had the best player and if not the top player for the for the rest of the at least conference until the conference in in my in my thoughts um is nothing that we've ever had before um especially in these last six years in the playoffs so uh this next level um into the into the semifinals it's kind of what everyone thought was going to happen right that the top four big dogs are going to go fight it out but what's interesting is that no one really knows what to predict here. Like you were saying, Dre, um, even even with the Boston and and the Bucks, I don't know uh, who's going to win that one. I can I can give an answer for, or I can see both of those teams winning. Same with the Raptors and the Philadelphia 76ers. I honestly don't know where to go with this. I wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers won. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raptors won. And if we went to Game Six, like it's it's really up in the air and the two teams do kind of mirror each other. So I'm just kind of glad that we're on to the next round. Uh, it, it took a little bit longer than I wanted to, but now it's, now this is the real test. Um, I'm interested to know uh, what, what, what Brian thinks of, of the Raptors magic. Um, I mean, when, when you were watching it, did you, did you have your, your kind of looking forward hat on and thinking like, Okay, I'm kind of analyzing this from a Sixers perspective, or is it you're just enjoying it as a fan? Like, what were your thoughts on on the Raptors Magic series? 
Um, I felt like after that game one, um, it swung so hard Raptors wise that I kind of caught myself um, cheering for Orlando in that game one just because extend your guys series as long as it was going to go right give right. Uh, us a little rest but once it kind of turned it was um pretty obvious that it was going to end up being what we all thought sixers raptors and um so i had definitely you know some future goggles on looking at that one um i thought it you guys are really like the raptors are really starting to come together as a team that was obviously happening towards the end of the season after the gasol and the lineup started getting kind of figured out for you guys. But once, um, once that game one went away, definitely started watching it with a closer eye and, uh, you guys are clicking and definitely seem like you have a bit of an identity. You know, and, and as, as, as Dre had pointed out already, um, in terms of the fact that there's a lot of parallels here between, um, both the Raptors series, first round series and Sixers first round series, um, why don't we flip the switch and, and talk a little bit about the Sixers and Nets? I mean, um, there was there any concern after that that game one loss, or was it more like you know we we got this? Like this is kind of like the wake up call we needed, and we'll be fine. Or, or was there any kind of concern in Philadelphia? No, there was uh, there was a lot of concern. Um, I think the difference between the game one losses was you know no offense to DJ Augustine, but that seemed at the time like an aberration. DJ Augustine shooting what like nine of thirteen, uh, hitting a game winner in mm-hmm. Toronto. Mm-hmm. Unlikely to see that happen again. But the Sixers struggled against the Raptors. I mean, not the Raptors, the Nets all season long with those guards and the pick and roll, and that's exactly what burned them in Game One. So there was a lot of cause for concern that the things that we struggled with all season long against the team that were clearly more talented than, but couldn't seem to get over the hump with a few times, mm-hmm. like. We were Jimmy Butler game-winning shot away from trailing them three to one in the season series, mm-hmm. so there was a lot of concern. But after the second half of Game Two, when they just came out and kind of punched him in the face—I mean, Embiid literally punched uh, Jared <laughs> Allen in the face—and uh, yeah. it seemed like there was really no doubt after that. Yeah, and and also I was very impressed by how uh, I believe it was Game Three where Embiid was sitting that Game Two, right? Where yeah. Ben Simmons yeah. totally like went out of his mind, and in a hostile environment, Brooklyn was not nice to to. No, ben I was and surprised. Too. Yeah, you know, like it was with all with all those like memes and those posters on the on the rails, like it was that was not very nice. But I mean, I'm glad, and it was it was. Um, a good impression, I guess, for for Raptors fans to see how you know what even with Ben Simmons struggling as he is with with those three, it does at, at times he doesn't need it, you know. And it was it yeah. was kind of good to see that. Yeah, definitely, it'll be really interesting to see. I think how he goes now and takes it against a team that's obviously elite defensively, because we've seen this before from Ben, where he can really dominate lesser opponents, but I mean, Kawhi Leonard eats his lunch. So I think Ben's shown some improvement since those last Sixers-Raptors matchups. We haven't played, I don't think, since the um, new year turned. And it'll be interesting to see how his composure is in this matchup. Well, yeah, that, that, I'm glad you bring that up because, um, you know, as, as we start to take a look at what this round two matchup will look like, uh, is there... Is there um because again Philly took care of business at the end of the day, right? I mean, even if you had lost, let's say game five, um, because it was a little tight there near the end, 
even if he lost game five, I don't think there's any concern that that Philly would would still pull it out. But what's mm-hmm. the confidence level like now? Is is there is it riding really high that you know we we we've we've got a team here that, that is you know this is the process is over. I mean, this, yeah. the the starting lineup is, I think it's number one in the NBA in terms of plus minus. And that's even without Embiid for one of those games, right? So what's yep. the confidence level like right now? Uh, I'd say it's pretty high. I think people are definitely weary um, of a talented Toronto team. Um, we know how good the Raptors are, but this is as confident as people have been uh, in the Sixers all season. I think the defense has ratcheted up a bit. I mean, obviously Brooklyn kind of played towards the end right into our strategy of we were just kind of baiting them to go in there and take those mid-range jumpers, those floaters, mm-hmm. and not contest and beat. But Simmons was phenomenal defensively. I thought that Butler definitely stepped it up a notch defensively, almost taking like an Andre Iguodala type role mm. where he, after game one, that loss, he had 36 points, I think. And after that, he just kind of went into Mr. Do-It-All instead of having the offense revolve around him. So people are confident. Um, definitely excited to see how it plays out. But this is the best the Sixers have looked all year. And kind of like the Raptors, they've seemed to find their identity. The Sixers seem to revel in their um, role as the bad guy. They certainly liked it in Brooklyn. So uh, I think they're going to be ready for the crazy environment yeah. up in the North. I love the. Uh, I know that Dre was kind of alluding to the the two teams mirroring each other as much as we. You know, it's a brand new team that both the Raptors and Phillies are. We haven't kind of faced each other with this kind of team yet, and like like you said, Brian, uh, it looks like Philly has kind of caught its stride. Like uh, as confident as you guys are, it's it, it really seems like you you found something. Um, and this starting lineup uh, that Philly has is fire. Like, really good. T- Tobias Harris can can go off and know you know in any second and Ben Simmons can take over a game and like it's at first it was a little shaky because you know mid-season transactions you don't really know what's going to happen but now it looks like it's it's starting to pick up and the same thing and it's kind of happening with Toronto too uh with Gasol coming in now we're starting to see um the effects that the reasons why we brought in someone like Gasol to anchor that defense so uh, yeah I I just uh, it's the two teams are such a mirror image that i just don't know who to pick you know what i mean like it's it's more of like an intriguing series now like i of course i'm gonna go root for the raptors but as now it's like as a basketball fan this is going to be really entertaining and i think what's really going to be entertaining are the um i mean there's just so many different angles at this right i mean i i just mentioned how the 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 sixers were the number one had the number one plus minus and then starting five, the Raptors were right there, right behind them at number two. So you're looking at two of the strongest starting fives in the league, um, you know, from from one to five. Um, so I think that what'll really um, stand out are some of these individual matchups. And um, mm-hmm. I guess I'll start off with with Dre on this one. I mean, the, I think the big one, you know, because what's going to happen is we're going to see a lot of switching as well. One through four, you know, you're going to see some... Um, you know, hair setting screens and trying to free up Reddick and things of that nature. But the one that's going to stick together are the fives. And Gasol versus Embiid is the big one. And, um, you know, Dre, what do you think about how those two big guys are going to kind of go off on each other? First off, what I'm going to say with Marc Gasol, and I've said this on previous episodes before, 
uh, with Marcus Saul, statistics are a liar sometimes because when you look at his stats, you don't see anything that's noteworthy. You're like, okay, why did we trade for this guy? But you look at his game, and you you if you're watching a live game, you see a whole different story. And I was actually talking about this with my with my father, the guy who brought me up in you know Raptors Nation when I was a young kid when the Raptors first started. He brought up a good point. If basketball tallied the person who handed the assist to the assister, so two two ways down, Marcus Hall would be like leading the league with like thirty. The hockey assist. Exactly. Exactly. So if you think about it that way, you know, you you you've got a better picture. Having said all of that, Joel Embiid is clearly a stats prevalent kind of player where he's been putting up some crazy numbers and he's been on this increase for a number of years now. You know, mask or no mask, you know, this guy is obviously a very frightening player. Having said all of that, I think Marcus Saul is very hard to predict. And I think Joel Embiid numbers wise and prevalence wise is much stronger. But Marcus Saul, I think, is a wild card. And what do you do with a wild card? How do you figure out the floor being open? How do you figure out the mismatch? How do you figure out if you can't read a person, what do you do? So I think because of that and uh, Gasol's sheer size, and let's not forget the fact that he barely left the ground to stuff a guy in the middle of the last game with the, or with Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. He's got some strength as well that he clearly hides because we see him as a shooter. We see him as like, you know, a screen setter, but we forget this is a guy that can, you know, screw you up royally. If you, if you try to go toe to toe with him with physicality, having said that Joel Embiid is a bull. So it's, this is going to be a crazy lineup because you have a guy who plays the game really damn well and knows the game inside and out compared to the guy who doesn't really play by the rules while being as fundamental as possible in Marcus all. It's a weird right. matchup because you have a guy who's reading the current state of the game really well. And a guy who refuses to leave old school mentalities while disobeying the new school mentalities in Marcus all. Right. It's going to be yeah. one hell of a matchup. Right. And- uh, Jason, what do you think? I was thinking about um, something I was listening to on the Fan 590. This fan was calling in talking about the Raptors. He was saying how uh, the person that we traded for Marcus Saul was JV. Uh, and yes. JV was was really good and he he could put up about like, you know, 25 points a game if if, if it was a really good game, but a lot of the times he kind of did some boneheaded plays, maybe a turnover or or something that that could have steered, um, I guess, the game the other way, kind of momentum shift. But for Gasol, he's not going to give you 25 points. He might give you like 10 and like five assists. But at the end of the game, he does something, something, either a pass, a shot or whatever, something really smart that also swings the momentum to our side. So that's what I love about this um, matchup. The thing I'm concerned about is Embiid is really good at drawing fouls, and Gasol. Those two are going to hate each other all the time. If, if I guess if um, Brett Brown is, is smart, and I know he is, he's going to utilize uh, Embiid and try to bait him into fouls. And I don't think Ibaka can can guard Embiid. So uh, as long as we can, as as Gasol can stay in that game 
and avoid foul troubles, it's it's going to be the only person that can match up with Embiid is Gasol. That's what I think. Brian, what about you, brother? So um, I think this is a pretty interesting matchup, um, and it's not dissimilar to what Embiid had to deal with last year with Al Horford, where I think a lot of fans look at the matchup and just, you know, like you alluded to earlier, just look at the stats and you're like, well, Joel Embiid's going to eat this guy's lunch. There's no question that he's the better player. And I think that's true right now. But when it comes to a matchup, um, I actually wrote about this a little earlier for Liberty Ballers where guys like Gasol, he came into the league at a weird time for a big man mm-hmm. where like 2008 was like the end of the Duncan and the Shaq era. But like the three point big man revolution hadn't started yet. So right. he and guys like that like, and guys like Al Horford kind of ended up having this weird uh, mix of a game where they can bang you down low, but they stretch you out. They're like so savvy with the ball. They understand modern offenses and guys like that, that are that smart, that have such experience, give and beat a little more problems because Joel loves to try and, you know, frustrate guys by drawing fouls. He likes to dribble drive. He likes to try and get them with pump fakes and Marcus all defends him really well. Mm-hmm. He doesn't buy on Joel's fakes. He doesn't care if he's shooting threes. He doesn't care if he's dribbling to the lane. He thinks he can stop him because he probably can. So I think Embiid's never actually scored twenty more than twenty points against Gasol. And I don't think he's ever actually shot over fifty percent against him. So yeah, he's about thirty-four percent against uh, whenever he's played Gasol. He's played Gasol five times, and yeah, he's never yep. hit over twenty. Uh, he's never hit more than five field goals in a game against Gasol. He's never hit more than 34. Oh, sorry, 50%. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, his turnovers go way up. Way, uh, way up. About 4.4, right? Um, he's only hit one three-pointer out of 16 attempts. Uh, the numbers kind of go on there, but you guys all, all hit some some really interesting points here, right? Where, like, you know, G- Gasol may not hit you with like, some really big numbers. Like, he, if you guys were to guess how many field goal attempts he averaged during the magic series how many would you think it was three a game yeah something i yeah. want to say a little bit higher than that maybe maybe five like five ish yeah less than six so Damn. he's not he's not taking a lot of shots but then again that's that's not the role that he was brought on for he's if anything he's the fifth scoring option on the starting lineup right so that's not why he's here it is those hockey assists you guys talk about it is the ball movement it is specifically for this type of matchup um you know you guys were talking about jv earlier and jv was was uh, he kind of settled into a nice bench role where he kind of came in off the bench and um was an offensive threat he actually played his best defense he has in his his entire career um but i I don't know if it was because of the the weight of being a starter being lifted um uh, kind of helped his game or not um, but Gasol has absolutely fit in perfectly with this team. We've seen we've seen what he did to to Vucevic, and you know the, the track record against Embiid is very promising. If you're a, a Raptors fan, um, I guess but what, what also a, don't sleep be, on Boban though. Don't sleep on Boban. I know this, oh, that's, this the point, that, that's exactly the point I was going to get at. Is that if we if if there's one part that you know, and you guys already said this already, was that you know if, if Embiid is able to pick up some fouls on Gasol, which again he is um, he is a kind of the head of this um, this monster of a Sixers team where they are number one in points in the paint. They are number one in offensive rebound percentage. Wow. Those are two 
huge areas where they can capitalize against the Raptors. And if we throw in the foul situation, um, the second Gasol goes out um, and, and Ibaka has to come in, even if there isn't a foul trouble, this is the other thing is Embiid plays a lot more minutes. Um, well, at least we'll try to play a lot more minutes than Gasol. And Gasol usually is one of the first guys out. So Nick Nurse is going to have to adjust his playoff rotation to ensure that Gasol is always in when Embiid is in. Um, because once Ibaka comes in, I'm pretty sure Embiid will feast. So uh, a lot of things to, to consider there. Um, but yeah, any, any other um, final thoughts before I move on to the next matchup? Uh, Boban can start shooting threes now. So that's also uh, not a current concern, but uh, next year, the fact that he's ready to hit, what, two or three of them? Uh, I'm yeah. sure he's not just, yeah, I think is so. he not just dunking from the three-point line? I'm sure that's just... <laughs> Michael Jordan speed. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's Scalabrine reincarnated. Um no, I think uh uh I don't know if he keeps this up, that'll be frightening the fact that this guy could be consistent with threes, but he's not yet, so we don't have to worry just yet. He's actually not so, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm pretty I'm sure uh, Boban is actually a really good mid range shooter, no? He like, killed the Nets in game two yeah. when they played his own. Just foul line jumpers. Like they're just gonna leave him open because everyone's gonna think that Boban can't shoot, but he's a good player. Boban is not just a seven yeah. foot giant. Like he's a very intelligent uh, a player with that with a soft touch, man. Like be to have such big hands. I mean, okay, Kawhi has really really big hands, and I'm very impressed of how he can shoot a basketball because of those big hands. I'm even more impressed by how Boban can shoot with that such such soft hands, man. It's incredible. On on the note on that note, in terms of um, you know Boban and 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 Embiid and their like I guess very large structure I guess you could say, <laughs> and how they will just kind of impose themselves on on on, on the opponent. Um, the same can be said about Ben Simmons. Um, yep. you know, this is this is someone that is you know first time All Star. He is an outstanding outstanding player uh, yes everyone will gripe the fact that he is uh he, his outside shot has not developed yet but he is still a beast he is a defensive terror he is mm-hmm. he is built like the and has the vision of you know chris paul like it's it's amazing what he can do um and the the fact that the raptors are going from facing dj augustine and Michael Carter Williams <laughs> to Ben Simmons is a bit frightening from a Raptors standpoint. Um, yep. I, I'm gonna start off with with Brian on this one. What are your thoughts on on Simmons versus maybe it's Kawhi, maybe it's uh, Lowry, maybe I don't know who who guards him. But what are your thoughts on on Simmons and and, and who he's going to be matched up with? Um, I am cautiously a little more optimistic after how he played in the net series mm-hmm. going into the playoffs. I was pretty nervous just because um, Kawhi played so well against Ben and it doesn't, didn't look that good. Um, the Sixers didn't look that great with Ben without the ball in his hands, but in that net series, it seemed like Ben really started to find himself as kind of a role man, setting up screens, diving hard to the basket. And I personally think that, the Sixers' best option when Kawhi is stuck on Ben, which I think is going to be a lot, um, is to take Ben off the ball. You have Jimmy Butler, you have Tobias Harris. Those guys can handle the rock. Those guys can create their own shot. They can get their teammates involved, get Ben involved, get him rolling to the rim, and either make Kawhi have to just be a off-ball help defender or make 
um, Nick Nurse take him off him and like you know get Ben maybe a more favorable matchup. But I don't like the one-on-one matchup of Ben the point guard against Kawhi all that much. I I think the Jimmy Butler playing point guard is going to be um, going to be used more often than not because we do know you know the numbers that Kawhi or. I guess Simmons have had with Kawhi um, guarding him. So I feel like that Jimmy Butler playing a point, that's probably going to be used a lot more than we think. Um, But when you're thinking, Brian, if if we're going to, if Nick Nurse has to be a switch role or or I guess make his defenders switch a lot, uh, I think that it can also be a, a positive for the Raptors because we're very good at switching. And if it does, does come down to uh, Simmons being guarded by let's say Kyle Lowry I I feel like there's a lot of teams that want to do a little bit of um I guess mismatch with Kyle Lowry in the post and I I feel like Nick Nurse is going to welcome that a lot so even with the switching um I think we're going to be comfortable yet at the same time if the Sixers know how to swing the ball uh, and with all the shooters that they have, it's going to be a problem even if we do switch because we are, we tend to run after three-point shooters a lot. And once, the, once, let's say, Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris fakes it, Siaka might really run by uh, pass, and Kawhi, at, at too, would also try to run by and block it. So if it's swing, 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 and then uh, even Joel and B can shoot those three, it could, it could be a problem. Yeah, I I agree with that. I think, um, I mean, the Raptors, when you come up against Toronto, you're not having a favorable matchup when it comes to defense. I mean, this is maybe the best defensive starting line, starting five in the NBA, stacked all the way through. Um, But I think the Sixers' key is going to have to be getting them moving, Mm -hmm. getting them trying to, you know, catch up to the ball. But then again... Toronto's so long and the Sixers are turnover prone. Um, a big fear of mine is Toronto getting out and running because they're so dangerous in transition. Toronto can be pretty turnover heavy as well when they start to get a little bit um, fancy with their passes and whatnot with, uh, with their leads. And we've seen that in the Magic series, not so much in the final game, but in the four prior to that. So the Magic are one thing. If the Raptors do that with the 76ers when they're hot, you're going to see some hell. It's going to be really, 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 really bad. Because the 76ers, I, I, I firmly believe, and I say this as a fan of them as well, are unrelenting when they're on fire. Because what they, they rely on open wounds, basically. So uh, you know what you do if you're the Raptor? You can't plug that open wound with trash. You can't just have bad play after bad play after bad play because the 76ers are going to eat you up if you do that. The 76ers, we definitely outmatch them when it comes to our defensive presence. But if we start to slip, you have enough with somebody like Ben Simmons. You have enough offensive presence with somebody like um, with Jimmy Buckets or Tobias Harris. You have enough uh, middle ground with Joel Embiid. You will, we will be eaten alive if we you know, if we start to have those kinds of fumbles that we were pulling off in game one, two, three against the Magic. And you know what I'm talking about, the, like the crazy lobs from, from Van Vliet, the unnecessary passes that just resulted in careless turnovers. And the, again, the Magic are one thing. The, the 76ers, I'm a little frightened if we start going down that road. And unfortunately, as a Raptors fan, 
how many times have we seen careless turnovers like over the years not just recently right uh well i, I think it and i mean i guess to to build on that there's there is a and brian maybe you can can add your own context to this but mm -hmm. from a raptors perspective we have a list um that, of raptor killers and they are just it, it can be a superstar it can be some 10th guy off the bench we have raptor killers and i'm sure sixers have their own sixers killers i don't know who they are but for the raptors it's random guys for example mike scott he is a raptor killer he is a well-known raptor killer uh, around these parts um but i think the number one raptor killer and you and and jay or Dre, you can correct me if i'm wrong on this but in terms of someone who is has known to kill the raptors and is also a superstar it's got to be jimmy butler oh yeah um, oh yeah spe Chicago specifically days? yeah specifically his bulls days um and you know looking at the the numbers um and how jimmy butler has played when matched up um one-on-one -on -one with specific raptors he's good almost across the board so when when Kawhi leonard is guarding him he's four of five when pascal is guarding him he's 12 of 19. when so so i mean and those are our two best wing defenders and if he's able to hit over 50 percent of his shots on two of our best wing defenders maybe we're overlooking someone who we should be looking at first which is jimmy butler i mean it almost sounds like we have an answer for uh Embiid with gasol and especially if Embiid is and his knees are are really bothersome um and it's well documented in terms of simmons and his troubles with Kawhi, but we don't really have an answer for jimmy butler so um i think going back to, to brian's point about Maybe Jimmy should be handling the rock. I fully agree because um, ben, ben can do some damage on on, on screens and, and assists and posting up and whatnot. But Jimmy can handle the ball and, and that's going to be a problem for the Raptors. Um, Brian, any thoughts on that or any other Sixers killers that happen to be on Raptors? Um, I'm just happy that uh, Valanciunas isn't there anymore because he absolutely destroyed us for hmm. years. And I don't know yeah, how. That's true. Um, because I get when I see like uh, Marcus All or now Harford um, making Joel Embiid struggle, but I don't understand how JV always got the best of Joel. So, as much as you don't want to see Marcus All, I'm happy that uh, JV isn't coming <laughs> in off the bench anymore. <laughs> that's that's interesting because there's so many times where where Raptors fans would be kind of frustrated with uh, JV because he's he's there, he's right there to be one of the top centers, but. I don't know. There's something about him. Maybe it could be just that really slow pump fake once or twice, three times, and then he does his hook shot. That's kind of all his game, you know? But you're mm -hmm. right. Like, last a couple of times that uh, JV played against MB, like, it was... It wasn't even a dogfight. It, it, like, JV had his, had his numbers for some reason. It's really strange, you know? I think Embiid, um, as much as Joel is like the prototypical, almost futuristic big man. He loves to get down to the post. And sometimes that can bring guys like um, Valanchunas and Cantor who are not good defenders. Mm -hmm. They're not being exposed um, in the pick and roll because they're just down there being tree trunks against Joel, and he's just trying to smash up against them. Right. So sometimes right. stuff like that could kind of actually be helpful to him to not have to deal with a more mobile guy. Well, um, 
we we bring up Butler and bring up JV. I know that he's not there anymore, but I feel like if JV was in this uh, still on this team, he would be someone who I would consider an X factor. Um, but since he's not on the team, we have to pick someone else. So having said that, uh, I, I'm just curious as to what your guys' thoughts on who are, who do you think the X factor is in this series for both teams? So uh, if you can name one for each team, uh, Jay, I'm going to throw it to you first. So I'm going to stick with uh, a Raptor because I, I have to be honest, I'm not, they don't know Philly as well enough, especially if when Brian is here. So I'm going to leave that to him. But for Raptors X Factor, I'm going to go with uh, Norman Powell because I feel like he's been gaining strides um, mm. very much so in the in the, especially this series. Um, our bench have hasn't been um, I guess too productive, but in the last couple of games, you can see them kind of gaining their strides. And and Norman Powell was in the center of that all. He's been shooting his threes very well. He's been driving and finishing. He's been defending. He's um, he's not that quick, but at the same time, he plays really big. So it's I I love his what he's doing now in the playoffs. He doesn't look like a scared rookie anymore. He's he's been in the league. He's been in the playoffs. He's one of the vets now, which is kind of strange to see. But I I want to say the two starting lines for Raptors and Philly are so mirrored of each other. Uh, one of somebody on the bench is going to have to be the X factor, and for me, that's Norman Powell. Uh, Trey, what about you, man? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try and pick one for each team. Uh, for the Raptors, I'm going to go a similar route to not Norman Powell, but I'm actually going to go Surge. I think with the defensive craziness that's going to be happening with the starting five, uh, to toss him in when perhaps the 76ers guard is down, I think, you know, how much more can you give, right? Like when it comes to a defensive presence. And then you toss this guy in there, and it's like, well, crap, now we have to do this guy. And on a similar note, there's Norman Powell, who defensively has just been incredible. So, like, this whole playoffs so far, I, I completely agree. I think he's been fantastic. And, you know, they're not just defensive. They're also fierce offensively. And it's like, if we can break their guard down with our starting five, uh, and one of these people just sneak in and break down the fortress, I think, that would be the key for the 76ers. I'm going to go with a uh, thought that we had earlier of uh, obviously Jimmy Butler to uh, echo some sentiments that have been said earlier. There's going to be so many tight mirrored matchups between the Raptors and the 76ers, but this guy, I mean, this guy, he doesn't really just work with anybody because he kind of plays by his own rules. And he's going to get all up in your face and put out your faults by trash talking or by playing the game. Like you can't really figure him out ever. And that's why even as a Timberwolves fan, which uh, I guess is the only time we could bring them up during a playoff discussion. um, Jimmy Butler last year obviously was one of the key elements as to why they're doing so well. You know, he said whatever he said, but he's kind of right that he has a drive that not many other players possess outside of maybe a Westbrook. The difference is, I would actually put more money on Butler because I feel like he's more consistent and I feel like he's more an asset to a team as opposed to the lone hero. So Butler could screw things up. I honestly believe that. Um, Brian, what do you think? Who are your X Factor picks? Um, From a Raptors perspective, I think kind of similar route to what you guys went with. uh, I think Fred Van Vliet. um, (laughs) I think guards give the Sixers a lot of of issues. Fred's uh, hurt us before. 
And just having a solid backup point guard is something that the Sixers don't have. And I think that that can buy the Raptors a little more time with Lowry, with their minutes and everything, and um, just continue to put pressure on the Sixers where there's no real breaks from a quality ball handler in the game. And from a Sixers perspective, uh, I think our X factor going into the series is going to be JJ Redick, actually. He did a really good job on Joe Harris in the last round defensively, um, but it's going to be a whole nother monster this round. I don't know who the best matchup for him is. I think surprisingly, uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear this, but I think he's going to start out on Lowry defensively. Interesting. Um, We've seen Brown do that before. And I think it's just because JJ, like Kyle Lowry isn't a blow by guy anymore. And I think that if they, if the Raptors want to try and go, through just a Lowry attacking JJ offense because he's the weak link. I think the Sixers would welcome that. We know there's going to be a lot of switches no matter what, but I could see that being defensively the route they go. And then offensively, they need him to make shots. When he shoots poorly, they lose. When he shoots well, they tend to win. And his gravity increases tenfold when he's making shots, those running three-pointers that he makes in the corners. And it really just opens everything up for Embiid and Simmons. Yeah, I I argue that JJ is definitely a game changer. He if if uh, the Sixers kind of need a bucket, once you get like a, a that JJ him floating towards his right side while falling away shooting a three, like it's such a the crowd pleaser. And kind of the same thing mm-hmm. with Danny Green too. Like once Danny Green comes up and does a transition three, it kind of changes the game. So. Yeah, I, I can definitely see JJ being a huge X, X factor for this uh, series. Jay, what about you, man? Yeah, I don't I don't have anything new to add. I think um, all three of you kind of nailed nailed it in terms of the X factor because I, I was going to name a couple of guys, and I think you all kind of named them already. So okay. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo a bit more of what uh, Dre said actually because um, I agree that Ibaka is is going to be a bit of an X factor. Um, Philly has a um, a tendency to drop back on on big men, so basically daring them to shoot and allowing that shot. So, um, you know, Gasol showed a little bit of that in the last round. We're going to need more of that from him. Um, but you know, I kind of was alluding to this earlier in terms of um, Ibaka is going to be going to need to play a few minutes against Embiid. He's going to need to have to guard Boban. Um, so on the defensive end, he'll have to step it up, and on the offensive end, he will have his shots there. Neither Boban nor Embiid are going to follow him out to the three. So if you can knock down a couple of outside shots, that can help the Raptors in, in terms of filling in those gaps until um, you know the starting the starters come back in. Um, from a Sixer standpoint, um, I, not necessarily an X factor. I just can't talk enough about Jimmy Butler. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? No, I, I am going to pick an X factor that's not Jimmy Butler because I'm I've already talked about how terrified I am of him, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to actually go with. Uh, uh, Tobias Harris. Um, yeah, true. The fact of the matter is that he's kind of the forgotten starter um, on on the Sixers, and you know, going into this matchup, he's he's going to be underrated. Um, he does not have a good history um, defending Kawhi or Pascal, um, so I guess the onus will be on him to step it up. Um, this may or may not be his only season with the Sixers, and if the Sixers have you know grand plans of of 
you know, winning a championship, uh, whether or not that's this year, um, someone like Tobias Harris can really help them out uh, moving forward. And, you know, it's a series like this where you can really make a statement and say, you know what, I have the defensive chops to hang with uh, a Kawhi and a Pascal. You know, I am worth all of those assets you gave up for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how, how he holds up, um, again, with all this switching that's going to happen. Um, but that's my two cents on that. Um, and before we go to break, I did want to bring up one more question about this series um, before we go into a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, a history lesson. Um, and that's NBA in regards to... This point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's just simply, I mean, I think we've all touched upon very good points in terms of, like, how each team can kind of um, expose the other. Um, so what I guess in your mind is the biggest threat? And what I mean by that is um, what is the mm-hmm. biggest advantage that either the Sixers or the Raptors have on on the opponent? Um, let's start with Jay on this one. For me, I think f- uh, for Philly, I want to say that starting five is crazy. Like it, it, that, that has to be one of the scariest starting five I've seen since maybe Golden State when they when they added Boogie Cousins. Like uh, everyone can shoot on the on the starting five. Everyone can drive, and and everyone can be a game changer too. So um, no matter who they pass it to or who's going to go in for a dunk or a three. I mean, Philly's offense is crazy, but on an opposite end for the Raptors, it's got to be its defense. Like if I was, if I was an opposing team and seeing, you know, Pascal Siakam closing out and then you behind him is Kawhi and behind him is Gasol. Like it's, and then behind him for some reason is Lowry taking a charge. Like it's, it's a pretty uh, nuts defensive lineup uh and even coming off the bench with the baka uh you know former second team defense or first team defense i'm not sure but like it's it's a very savvy team very veteran laden team um but yeah it's going to be the top offense versus the top defense i'm gonna agree with those sentiments because i feel like it's going to be the ultimate philosophical question uh what ultimately wins the defense or the offense when both are sent out to their max. I think, as I was alluding to earlier, the Raptors can break down Philadelphia with their constant defense and they just won't let up. But I I firmly believe that Philadelphia can do the same thing with the offense, whereas, as you were saying, Jason, that there's just too many too many offensive threats with um, with Philly that just won't let down. I mean, you're... You're looking at Tobias Harris, who led the Clippers. You're looking at Jimmy Butler, who was helping out the Timberwolves and and essentially was leading them, depending on which game you were looking at. Then you have Simmons and Bede, homegrown players who obviously part of the process. They're just there. And you got Redick as well. Like, where where the hell do you start? So, I mean, it's just going to depend on each game. If there's a defensive momentum where you're shutting the other team down if you're the Raptors, or if it's a highly offensive game and you're Philadelphia with an insane lead and the Raptors got to play catch up, I mean, I don't know. It's I honestly think it's going to be a game-by-game game basis. But if I had to pick one defining factor, feast your ears on this Spin Doctors next, it's Greg Monroe. He knows too much. He was on the Raptors. <laughs> he knows everything. He's going to sneak and and steal all of our plans and send it to Philly. I think we're screwed. But in all seriousness, I think in the playoffs, 
series like this, defense is a little bit more important than offense. It's about playing strategically as opposed to just bombarding the other team. So we'll see. I feel like defense may win, but it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be an exhausting series for both teams. Brian, what about you, brother? Um, not to kind of beat a dead horse, but I think it's um pretty much what you guys are saying. I think the Sixers offensively, um, you know, they're able to be one of the few teams in the league that when the Raptors are going to basically say, you're not going to get open threes and you're not going to get shots at the rim. The Sixers can still have a pretty efficient offense taking what the defense gives them, you know, taking those pull-up mid-range jumpers, getting J.J. Redick going, and then once that starts to go, then the Raptors have to kind of adjust their defense a little bit. And uh, um, obviously the Raptors' defense is phenomenal, but I think another threat that the Raptors pose to the Sixers is just the depth that they have is um mm-hmm. they go way deeper than the Sixers and Mike Scott is day to day we don't know how he's going to be Brett Brown didn't really seem that um positive about the injury for game 1 and I think that probably means that the Sixers are going to have to bring TJ McConnell back into the rotation that's not ideal um it's just what I think Brett Brown's going to do and then you're going to have TJ McConnell Ben Simmons lineups where you have two non-shooting ball handlers on the court and the Raptors are just going to be able to feast on that. They have no problem just picking their pockets and running down the court. Yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a good point about uh, Mike Scott, um, you know, not being able to, to play. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I read the same thing where it just, it doesn't sound too optimistic and I'm sure Raptors fans are, are rejoicing just a little bit because again, Mike Scott was one of those Raptor killers um, in terms of uh, threats. I'm, I was looking more at individual players and I think for the Raptors, it's going to be Kyle Lowry. Um, I think this is, it's, it's to play Philly, right? I mean, he, during the season he was battling i believe it was back spasms and he came back just to play philly he played like crap the the raptors lost to the sixers um and then he went back on 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 injury for another few games so he obviously wants to play in front of his home home crowd like the hometown like where he grew up and you know in his career he's played very well against philly he has one of his best net ratings a uh, net rating of 13 against Philly. That's better than almost any other team he's faced. He has uh, one of his highest points per game against Philly, uh, his best tr- true shooting percentage. So he really steps up, obviously, when 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 our Philly's on the other side of the court. Um, and then from so, – and also in, in addition to that, I mean, he's going to be asked to do a lot, whether it is, you know, guarding Ben Simmons in the post or whether it is uh, chasing around J.J. Redick on – three or four different screens on one play so you know he's got to step it up but i think that if he does and if he's focused and you know he will be uh, motivated again because it's philly um he can be a threat and um that's that's not what a lot of people are talking about they're talking about the gasol and bead matchup they're talking about the simmons Kawhi matchup right so look out for kyle lowry in this one um and then on the philly side i mean i've um uh, i i don't know if it's much of a threat but I guess I'm twisting the words a bit here, and I'm thinking if Embiid's knees are better than the media is making it out to be, then there's your biggest threat from Philly's standpoint. There, then you're not worried about how he does against Gasol because he will dominate that matchup. Then you don't worry about how he's done with against him in his career. If his if his knees, like if these extra three days of rest are of any help to his knees, 
then watch out. We've got ourselves a series. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to pick out two different players, and that, that's who I'm looking at in terms of threats to for, for each squad. A quick Embiid injury point. He um, did not appear on the injury report for the first time in weeks today. So it seems like those Ooh. knees are starting to feel a little better. Nice. I, d- I want to see a Gasol Embiid. I, I definitely do. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, man. All right. I've uh, rambled enough. Why don't we... <laughs> Take a moment here, take a breather, and and give our sponsors some some love. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Wow, I want to buy whatever the hell that was. <laughs> Five bodyguards, four bodyguards. <laughs> well, uh, I guess uh, as you know, we've 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 thoroughly enjoyed um, you know Brian's presence on the show. We've had some great conversations about this series, and you know the what to look out for and what what we're interested in. But I think now it's time for some predictions. Um, I think that'd be a great way to wrap up this pod. Um, so our guest of honor, Brian, why don't you kick us off here? What do you, how do you see the series playing out? What's your prediction? So, um, this was the one, this was the matchup that all year I feared. I think, um, no disrespect to Milwaukee and a decent amount of disrespect to Boston (laughs) in the East. My heart tells me Sixers and six, but my head is telling me Raptors and seven. All right. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Dre, you want to go on that one? Sure. Um, I think uh, it's going to be tough because uh, the 76ers are definitely an NBA embodiment, true American team, rock, leg, and eagle. And I think they're definitely going to have a crazy crowd, just like the Raptors are going to have a crazy crowd, but they're also going to have an entire nation behind them. Having said that, the Raptors are the sole Canadian team. So they're going to have a huge push behind them as well. And I think uh, with the fan bases, it's going to get ugly. I think with the actual playing it, it all boils down to both teams and it's not about who's hungrier because i firmly believe both of these teams are ex- like they're starving for this championship uh raptors have never made it to the finals they've never won the 76ers it's been a really long time uh the last time they made it to the finals it was you know the same old song and dance with the lakers at that point in time uh, but before that it's been since the 80s so it all boils down to which of these teams is going to go for glory and which of these teams are just going to end up being getting poisoned by their constituents. But may I offer a nice egg in this trying time, an egg of wisdom. It all boils down to the coaching. I firmly believe hmm. whichever team outcoaches the other 
with the, the, the defensive lineup that the Raptors have and the offensive lineup that the, that the 76ers have, I'm saying Raptors in six, it's going to be really exhausting. But if it was 76ers in six, I wouldn't be surprised. This is going to be, this is going to be blood. I, I firmly believe this is going to be possibly one of the more exciting series in the, in the entire championship. So um, I'm still, mm-hmm. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go with um, uh, earmuffs, Brian uh, Raptors in five, but my, oh. yeah. Tough to I, hear. Really, Tough to hear. <laughs> I know it's, and I'm, I was trying to think of a way to not say that, but there's, there's, there's just a lot of things that are falling into place for the Raptors on the court and even off the court. I mean, I, I don't, necessarily trust Embiid's health at this point um and um I don't necessarily trust the depth behind him so I, there there are factors that are going against the Sixers in this one and there are a lot of factors going in favor of the Raptors um and here's my second prediction and that is the Raptors will win a game 1 and that's where I'll stop talking <laughs> <laughs> that's basically the finals so. yeah <laughs> that's basically the finals exactly <laughs> oh my god i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing jay but i <laughs> i definitely um think that this is going to be one of the most entertaining uh series of the uh playoffs as a basketball fan i want this to go to seven um and and the, th- the thing is, uh, Dre, I know I know where you're coming from with the with the two fan bases, but the, the thing is, I I feel like how these teams are built, there's this form of of curiosity and respect for both fan bases because uh, we don't really necessarily know how our team is yet. We've seen them play a much lesser team in the first series and i feel like the same with brooklyn so nobody really knows where we are and i feel like there is a sense of confidence on both sides at the same time i wouldn't be surprised if philadelphia does win is it going to go to five probably not is it going to go to seven i think so and in my heart of hearts um not being biased at all i think the depth is going to be a big difference in it but it's going to go down to the wire because of how mirror these two teams are so i'm gonna go raps in seven can i just make one quick note here about um this possibly because two of you have said this is going to seven game seven is on mother's day so (laughs) start being nice to your girlfriends your wives your mothers in your life because you may not spend time with them on that day i'm just throwing it out there (laughs) but i have to say though because uh game seven is usually a daunting thing uh we have to say that we don't know we're going to be optimistic about Kawhi Leonard, but we don't know how many games in NBA we have left with Kawhi. So if we're going to get real weird with it and actually try and get more out of him with game sevens, you know, we could be a bit selfish and hopefully we get the win as well. But who knows? Who knows? I mean, if you think about it, the season's last pass. And uh, do we want less games with Kawhi where they end up really well or more games where we get the triumphant, the triumphant championship the, the, the way the Mavs got it in, in 2011 through blood, sweat, and tears and the occasional sweeping of former champions. But, hey, uh, that happens. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, man. Well, I, I can't – I'm sorry if I'm hijacking this, but I can't end this pod without bringing this up. Um, again, uh, on the whole thing about this possibly going seven, if it does go seven, I have checked Kawhi Leonard – does not have a graduation ceremony scheduled for that day. <laughs> ah, that was my – Oh, no. thank yeah, Christ. Oh, 
We are good. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I could. T- oh, I was worried. I could totally see Game Seven with um, uh, the game on a line. Kawhi hits a buzzer beater. I, I'm praying if it does go down to that redemption, please. I don't know where you guys were at. I know this was going to be a big segment because the last time the two teams met, it was it was a Vince Carter versus AI, and I wanted to do like you know where were you when Vince Carter missed that? Um, but maybe maybe we'll bring Brian back on if there's yeah. like. You know, it's yeah. tied 3-3 or something. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll love to do that. that. Yeah. yeah, awesome. All right, this has been great. Brian, thank you so much. Uh, again, um, it, it was really nice to hear a Philly's perspective um, for this series. But until next time, uh, I, you know what? I think the Spurs just won, so it looks like the game's going to be at 7.30 on Saturday. If I'm not if I'm not mistaken, because yes, it's going to be a correct. game. Yeah, there's going to be a game seven for the Spurs and Nuggets. All right, well, until then... Uh, Jay, where can I find you, brother? You can find me at Rosalisaurus. Find my work on Raptors HQ. Um, I have been on CBC Radio 1 twice over the last week. And I'm... My boy's famous. (laughs) Shut up. Canadian radio. Uh, so this, is, this is your stardom. It's it's looking good. Hopefully, I can I can get back on there as as early as Friday uh, to talk about the Sixers uh, preview. But uh, enough about me, um, Dre. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Andreas Babs. Where if you want to go toe on toe with me, uh, you got to pay the troll toll. So if you want to message me and uh, talk trash about about any of my affiliated teams, uh, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. Um, you can also find me at Films Fatale, my film-related editorial and review website, F-I-L-M-S, F-A-T-A-L-E. Um, seeing as this is going to be launched uh, tomorrow after the day of recording, uh, spoiler alert, I'm actually reviewing 10 kids' films that everybody grew up with, which ones were good, which ones weren't. And uh, nice. we'll see how that goes, so jot that down. Um, and uh, when it comes to the amount of content I push out, I'm not... Uh, I'm uploaded. I'm just cultivating mass. Um, Jason, <laughs> uh, where can we find you? That was awesome. Um, man, yeah, you could find me on Twitter at jlone20. You and I, honestly, I don't really go on there. I'm I'm the usually the one who's taking over. That's a rap pod, so we can exchange gifts uh, here and there. Um, you can find this podcast, uh, the one you're listening to right now, on all your podcatchers. You know, iTunes or Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Google Play. Um, I was we didn't really get a chance to do you know where you can find us uh, I was on combo guards uh, the last time uh, with with those guys I believe like a week ago and you can also find me on the latest episode of press news uh, but Brian again I would love to have you on uh, on this podcast you're great um, but please tell the audience where we can find your work brother definitely yeah you can find me um, on Twitter at Bry two underscores man and uh at libertyballers.com it's a great website to learn about the enemy um and you can also find me uh <laughs> drinking my fight milk um preparing to build a shrine to Joel Embiid after this series <laughs> fight milk i got that one i got that one there you go thought that one in there <laughs> thank you <laughs> all right guys until next time that's a wrap um i usually use this opportunity to say a stupid joke or two but i just wanted to um end on a bit of a somber note unfortunately uh eight-time nba champion uh one-time nba finals mvp don havlicek of the boston celtics has unfortunately passed away at the age of 79 and uh we can extend our um our sympathies to the boston family and to the havlicek family he was obviously one of the greats of all time so rest in power <laughs> <laughs>